As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Be very picky about who you select. Don't just pick anyone. Find someone with a track record. I think that's been essential to my success with doing this. And cash flow is also king. As a loyal Best Ever listener, you know that it's important that we as entrepreneurs focus on managing our time effectively, which is why we're always looking for ways to automate the basic duties of our business so that we can focus more time on our money-making activities. That's why I want to introduce you to Rentler.com. At Rentler, landlords and property managers can perform all their duties in one place. Rentler offers tools that allow you to automate tasks like listing a unit for rent, finding and screening tenants, collecting rent, and managing the maintenance requests. And even better, these tools are offered at zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever to get started today. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Greg Ford, how you doing, Greg? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Well, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Greg. He's been a real estate investor since 2010. He purchased, listen to this, purchased six single-family homes from 2010 to what year? 2010 to? Uh, The last one I bought was 2013. 2013, which he 1031'd into 50% ownership into an 85-unit apartment complex in 2016. And then in July of 2017, he pulled out $1.5 million and rolled that into 136 units. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's pretty much right. All right. Well, we are going to dig into that. He's based in Dallas, Texas. So that being said, Greg, we give the best of our listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus. Sure. Well, first of all, I'm an industrial engineer by trade. So I've got the engineering background that loves to crunch numbers and sometimes have analysis paralysis, but we try to get over that. I still have, to this day, a full-time job. I do that mostly nine to five, but uh, I do have some flexibility to do my real estate. I have to admit my job gets in the way of my real estate quite a bit. However, my focus was initially on single family. And in 2010, I saw that the market was pretty down at that point, as we all know. And I thought it was a good opportunity to get in there. And I didn't have any education at all. So I just bought a house that was near where I lived. 
and I started renting it and then I bought another and another and I started seeing the cash flow and I really enjoyed it and it's kind of mushroomed now to where uh, I'm primarily focused on multifamily and I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about those. The six homes that you purchased in 2010 to 2013, how much total equity did you bring to closing for those six houses? My average purchase price was probably around $160,000, and I did the traditional 20% down on those. I did get creative on where to get that 20000 from. In some cases, I took a loan out on my 401k. In some cases, I raided other and sold, for that matter, IRA accounts and paid the taxes and then used that for the down payment. I saw that even if I was paying the penalty uh, to get to those retirement assets, that my return here was going to be far greater and it was worth it to do it. So the reason that those houses were spread between 2010 and 2013 was I didn't want to create a huge tax impact in any one year by selling the retirement assets. So I spread it out a little bit and I really didn't have my education. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just kind of knew that this was working. And if I had to do it again, I'd probably do it a little bit. In fact, I think most of us would say we'd probably do things differently, but that's how I took three, four years elapsed to acquire the six single families. Had to do it again. I'm guessing you would compress that a little bit and do more in a shorter period of time. Well, I think, yeah, certainly hindsight 2010 was a fantastic buying opportunity. We know the market's gone crazy since then. So I think if we had a do-over, we would certainly do that. And I would probably be a little less gun-shy about selling my retirement assets and diving in head first, even if it meant a short-term tax pain, I'd be much farther along. Mm -hmm. So the six homes with, according to my math, you said approximately 130000 right, per house on average? Uh, 160 was 60. the purchase and then 20% down. Let's just round up for easy math, $200,000. So $200,000 out of pocket, you did it in creative ways, but at the end of the day, it was two hundred k out of pocket. So let's begin where you then made a decision to package them together into a 1031. Can you talk to us about that? Sure. Well, 2013 was my last purchase. So sometime around 2014, I kind of took a look around and honestly, time got away from me. And I looked back and I said, you know, it's been a year since I've done anything, right? And I said, I really need to kick this in gear. I need to do something and take more action because I'm not going to get where I need to be taking this one or two houses a year kind of thing. So in 2014, I made a decision and I said, all right. And I guess it was really towards the end of 2014. I said, first of all, I'm going to hook up with a local mentoring group because I want to start learning the right way to do this. Because up to that point, I had really just been kind of feeling my way through, reading a few books here and there, and it was working, but I wouldn't say I was crushing it. At that time, those six homes was probably producing 2500 to 3000 a month in cash flow. Now, that's before my capital reserves. So by the time I paid for repairs and things, I might have been down for $1,500 or so of cash flow on those six. So they weren't exactly crushing it. And I knew I needed to, have to do something a little more dramatic. So hooked up with a mentoring group. And then I said, all right, well, let's look at multifamily. And bottom line is we decided that my homes, one of the calculations they had me do, which I had not done, was look at my return on equity. And Obviously, between 2010 and 2014, 
those homes had appreciated in value. And what we determined is my return on equity was very low. It was three, four, five percent. So the first thing that came to mind was let me do a refinance on these, do a blanket loan, pull out some cash from these homes. This is before I sold them in 1031 them. And I got about a quarter million dollars out on the cash out. And I put that whole quarter million dollars as a passive investor into some syndications just so I could learn the multifamily side and start to understand how that was all going to work. Because prior to 2014, I didn't even know what NOI meant. I didn't know that whole calculation. I didn't know the whole book side of it. And I was just like, all right, it's time to learn. And so that's what I did initially in 2014. And then in 2015, after I've been doing the passive investing for about a year, those have been going great. I've been working with the lead syndicators to really understand what they do. And I met a gentleman by the name of Mitt. And he and I were kind of in the same boat, and we were looking to do our first multifamily deal. And I figured I could afford about a 40-unit complex if I cashed out and sold all my six single-family homes. And he was in the same similar situation. And he said, well, why don't we work together, and we could find maybe an 80-unit, and this way we could afford management, and we both have full-time jobs. This is just going to work out better. And so that's what we decided to do at that point. And this is now late 2015 at this point. So a whole other year it rolled off the calendar. And sure enough, Mitt was a passive investor in a syndication that had, as a group, they had decided to sell their property. They'd already owned it for four years. And Mitt and I were talking, we're like, you know what, this would really be cool if we could just buy this because it was an 85 unit in Irving, Texas. So we approached the lead and said, hey, let's just keep this off market. And what if we come in and buy the partnership out? And at the time, to kind of bait that a little bit. We said, you know, if any partners that are currently in here want to stay in here, we'll be happy to have them stay. But if they want to sell and they want to get out, then that's fine. We understand that too. And it turned out that the other six that were in there voted to just cash out. They wanted to take their money and go on their other ways. So now we had the tricky situation of pulling that off. And we got hooked up with a, a local real estate attorney and a local tax person and they crafted a situation to where we came in as tenants in common, two 50% ownerships. Now, like I told you, Mitt was already a passive in that deal. So in the sales agreement, what we agreed to was that there would be a two-day close. On day one of the close, the existing partnership would split into two 50% pieces. Mitt would only be part of one of those pieces. And then on day two of the close, Mitt would buy out the remaining share to get him to 50%. And then I would bring my six homes in as the 1031 exchange and buy out the other 50%. And that's how we closed that deal. And obviously, there's a, a lot of moving parts there. <laughs> a whole lot of moving parts there. That is fascinating. How did you qualify your partner? Because you've taken fees on your retirement funds to get the access to that money. You have spent three to four years acquiring this capital through your investments. And now it's very precious, I imagine, to you. You have these six homes, and now you're going to roll this into something else. But instead of doing it on your own, you decide to partner with someone. So I imagine the qualification process was something that you went back and forth with in your head to know if this is the right thing to do. 
It certainly was. Now, I had gotten to know Mitt. At the time we ended up doing the deal, I'd known him for about a year and a half at that point and spent a lot of time even outside of the mentoring group talking and his son and my son were in gymnastics together and we got to know each other a little more that way. So there was definitely that part of it. But I was looking at it more from an enablement. You know, as a 40 unit, which was my original goal, I may not have been able to afford on-site management. I certainly would have had a third-party property manager running it, but I wasn't really scale. Scale wasn't there. And when Mitt told me he was looking for something very similar to that, that's when we started saying, well, now we can 80 unit. Now we can afford to have on-site management. And it just seemed like it would scale much better. And then it just so happened within a month of that discussion is when the partnership that he was part of decided they wanted to sell theirs. And we jumped all over that. So now you've got an 85 unit at this point in time in the story. Tell us about how that went. Well, let me tell you about the 1031 process just a little bit because Again, my not being educated as well as I am now, I decided that because these homes were in a very affluent suburban area part of Dallas, I said, I think the right angle here is they're not good rental properties anymore because of the price appreciation. I said, I'm going to sell these individually. And I had the foresight to sell all the leases to expire at the same time. I think it was in June of 2016. And I had my realtor that I've been working with all these years. I had to market them and sell them. And I thought that would be the easiest part of the process. It actually was the hardest part of the process. Because what I thought would be easy, the reason it wasn't easy is because these were rental homes. And they were competing against homes that people had lived in and were pretty well upgraded. And the countertops in some cases and nice flooring. And mine were just, you know, average builder grade. And... Mine dwelled. And so here we are getting ready to close, or I won't say getting ready to close, but we certainly had a contract. And I wasn't completely assured that these were going to sell in time to provide the funds for the closing. Mm. And I got down to where several had gone in and out of contract. People had backed out. And I was getting a little nervous. So we were talking about plan B. Where do we get these funds from? For me, total, I needed about $400,000 equity to do my 50% share. And these homes were going to be at 400000 And bottom line is we got down to the end and five of them did sell, but one did not. So talking with the 1031 company, we ended up doing a reverse 1031 on that <laughs> one because it was under contract, but it wasn't closed. And the way 1030 reverse 1031s work, you basically give a short-term loan, you got to cover the equity. So I basically did that. I had the money to do that part of it. It was about $50,000 or, or so. And we were able then to close the apartment and just a crazy way of getting there. But we did it. We pulled it off. No kidding. You went from a single family home investor to putting together one of the more complex 1031 exchanges and deals you could possibly do with ticks and reverse 1031s and normal 1031s. Yeah, absolutely. Baptism by fire. Yeah. So anyways, we've got it all closed. We took over the property. So when we took over the property, this was in August of 2016. There was probably five or six vacant units out of the 85. We had a plan to renovate them and kind of test the rents. And the funny thing was, is we got the property management team in place. And I don't remember what day it was they took over, but we came to meet with them on site a few days after closing and tell them like, okay, here, we want to renovate these and this is what we're going to do. And they're like, oh, well, we've already rented all five of these. And 
not only did they rent them, but they rented them for quite a bit more money than they had previously been renting for, even without doing the upgrades. And we were like, oh, okay, so we'll have to wait now for some units <laughs> to turn over. And the third-party management team, and specifically the manager that they brought in, was really a fantastic salesperson. She could sell ice to an Eskimo. So she had a really good ability to keep that property occupied. And it was, never had an occupancy problem before, but now it was really had one or two. It was a lot. So one of the projects that was our CapEx was to reseal the parking lot, the asphalt parking lot. And we said, hey, let's go to the residence. Because the previous owners, the previous syndication group had tried to sell reserve parking to the residents. And they were, I think they were charging $30 a month for a spot. And they only had a couple people doing it. Really wasn't an income generating source. We said, hey, we see this parking lot anyway. Let's, let's put a special out there to the resident saying, hey, $15 a month, which is 50% off. There it is. We're resealing it. When we restrike it, we'll put your name on it or put your reserve spot on it. And with the manager we had in place, she sold the heck out of that. Before we knew it, currently today, we have $1,300 a month in parking income that if you do the math and you, like, a, let's say you use a six cap, that's almost $250,000 a year of value that we created out of nothing. And it was all because we just said, let's try it. Let's give it a shot, see what happens. That was an example of one thing that we did that was just crazy. And we've tried some things with fencing and, and units. And, and uh, to give you, didn't, a you, you didn't do carports. You simply you painted reserved on certain spaces and then rented those spaces out for $15 a month? Yep. That's all we did. We had virtually no expense other than the initial paint on that. And it's uh, been fantastic. Now, one of the reasons I do think it works and it works here at this property versus maybe another one is we are a little tight on, on spaces. I think we're about a 1.3 ratio to units. So I think that helps. And we certainly hit a critical mass at some point where everybody realized that, Hey, somebody just reserved this spot that I always park in. I better go get mine. Mm -hmm. And at some point it just took over and we're virtually now every spot rented at this point, but $1,300 a month, that's like a, a unit and a half of rent that we created out of nothing. And our goal on this whole property has been looking at other income opportunities. We have looked high and low for where we can get other income between we own the laundry equipment, the fences. I started to mention a minute ago where we took some units and we fenced in a little backyard behind the units as a little experiment to see if we could get a little bit more rent. And about $25 a month is what we're currently pushing for. And that's been mixed results. I won't say it's been a home run, but we've tried that. Are you doing it, uh, on, manager, are you doing it on request or are you doing it for everyone and then they pay? Um, well, there's only a certain number of specific units that we can do it on that have the land and the backs of the city and everything that it actually would work. So it's actually only about eight units that we can do it on. We did four. And then, of course, those four were already under a lease when we did it. So we went ahead and just installed the fence. So as the leases have been renewing, though, we've had the discussion of that this has a premium with the fence backyard and trying to get the $25. And I said earlier, it had been kind of a mixed result. In some cases, they pushed back and rather than lose them as a tenant, we said, all right, fine, we'll just renew the regular rent renewal bump. And in other cases, they did. So I wouldn't say that's been a home run, but it's certainly been a source of a little bit of revenue per month. I don't know that it's offset the cost of the fence installation, so we haven't done the others yet. 
but just anywhere we can generate other income has really been a focus. How much did so it cost to install the fence? I want to say we spent about $7,000 maybe. I don't know how long it was, but it, it fenced in four units. So we spent $7,000. Per unit or in total? No, 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 total. Total yeah. for all four. Okay, got it. So, so around 2000 or so. You know. Yeah, and then if you could generate, what is that, uh, 400 a year, and then again, go back to your six cap, it might take a year or two to account for it. So like I said, it's been kind of a mix on that. But when we took over this property, the total revenue was about 58000 a month. That was everything. That's all up. That's including vacancy and everything. Our total actual revenue is about 58000 And we've improved it now to about 73000 a month. And that's been in the space of just under two years. Mm-hmm. And the focus on the unit renovations, the focus on the other income, the focus on just revenue as a top line item has been fantastic. What management company do you have on that? We use a company here in Dallas called Devonshire. They're primarily about a, a C class focus, I would say, maybe a B minus focus. They have about 8,000 units last I looked. So you, you now have recently ish, well, now about a year ago, you refinanced the 85 unit. And you pulled out $1.5 million. And is that $1.5 million all yours or is that yours and your partner's that was rolled into 136 units? Yeah, that was me and my partner. So $1.5 million, and then obviously half of that 750000 So you began with approximately $200,000 from the six homes in equity that you put out. And then in July of 2017, that 200000 grew to 750000 plus you no longer had the six single-family homes, but you had an 85-unit property that also, I imagine, has cash flow on top of the 750000 Is that all accurate? That is all accurate. Most of the cash flow, we've been plowing it back into the property for renovations and CapEx, and we've been taking a little bit, but... Most of it, we've been reinvesting it right back into the property. But when we got this cash out proceeds, that $1.5 million total, the two of us decided we had an opportunity to buy 136 units in Balch Springs, Texas, which is in the east side of Dallas. And we needed about 2.5 was the total raise for that. So we brought in two other people with us. We still maintained the tick setup. In that scenario, so there's four of us now as tenants in common on this 136 unit, and Mitt and I are probably about 75% owners of it, though, and we were able to buy that, and we are operating that now. Devonshire is doing that for us as well, and it's working out quite well as well. Well, I just love hearing these stories, and again, $200,000 initially has turned into ownership interests in a 136 unit where you own 36% in a 136 unit as well as 50% ownership in an 85 unit. That's awesome. Yeah. And the cash flow combined, I told you earlier, my six single families, officially on paper, it was about 2500 a month. But after I put my CapEx reserves, it was more like 1500 a month. And now my cash flow has tripled and quadrupled from that just from the larger assets that we're owning. And so 
when I was saying earlier that I was selling my retirement accounts and paying the penalties, it absolutely was worth paying those penalties. It hurt at the time, but I had the long vision in, in mind of where I wanted to get to, and it's played out quite well. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? In my case, as a full-time employee, employee management is key. Be very picky about who you select. Just pick anyone. Find someone with a track record. I think that's been essential to my success with doing this. And cash flow is also key. Cash flow gives you options. So pay attention to cash flow. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I am ready. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You looking for a one-stop landlording software that helps you create listings, find and screen tenants, and accept rental payments while managing maintenance requests? Oh, by the way, it's zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever. What's the best ever book you've read recently? Well, recently I listened to a lot of audio books. I'd say recently the one I read was Tax-Free Wealth, but I want to say the best one overall was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I know that everyone says that, but it really did open my eyes to the possibilities of what real estate could do. Best ever deal you've done out of all the deals you, you talked about? That 85 unit absolutely was the best deal. It was the catalyst to everything else at this point by far. What's a mistake you've made on one of these transactions? The mistake I made, I think, would be not getting enough opinions on whether it was a a rehab or a renovation or just an idea of something that might work. My partner, Mitt, is much more social than I am, Uh, I'll be honest with you. As the engineer, I like to crunch the numbers, but I'm not as engaging as I probably should be with people. And he's my alter on that. So from a partnership standpoint, it works really well. And I would say we've run into a few problems where we've spent more money for a rehab than we thought we were going to spend. And we might have gotten three bids, but if we just talked to even a few more people, we could have seen a better way to do it. Best ever way you like to give back? At this point, I'm learning every day, but I really like to take the person that was in my situation six, eight years ago today and show them the map. And I've always really, I meet these people probably now weekly especially in the mentoring groups that I'm part of now. I've been part of many of them. I'm happy to spend an hour at lunch or at a coffee shop and just kind of help paint a picture of what is possible if they just think a little differently. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you? The best way is probably through email. I have an email address. It's Investing, all one word, at gmail.com. And send me an email, and I'll be happy to talk further. Great. So, Greg Ford Investing at gmail.com. Greg, thank you so much for being on the show, sharing your inspirational story of how you started with a single family house and now have a portfolio where you have substantial ownership in 136 unit plus an 85 unit property. So, thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. What is your return on life? Do you struggle with investing for a safe return? American Real Estate Investments specializes in passive income real estate investing through single-family rentals, private money lending, and international vacation rental properties. Visit them at AREIUSA.com. That's AREIUSA.com.